welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by my awesome co-hosts... Me, Nate Heininger. And me, Laura Nash. And this week we are talking about, very appropriately for uh, Valentine's Day, Monster Prom. Monster Prom came out earlier this... Or I was going to say, I'm still writing 2018 on all of my... I don't write chess because <laughs> I'm a millennial, but all of the Your equivalents... Your correspondence. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm still signing 2018 on all of my tweets... It's uh, it came out in April of last year, and uh, we're just now getting to it. But it's super cute and fun. Yeah, this might be our most timely episode ever. We're normally doing. <laughs> hey, don't don't jinx it. It might take me three weeks to edit. <laughs> That's fair. But even still, our intent is pure. Um, <laughs> it's like normally we're doing Halloween esque episodes around now. And then we get, uh, you know, into the romantic games in like the middle of the summer. Well, what's great so. about this game is it could easily function for either. So we That's could, e- point. if I, if I, uh, if we really screw up on the editing, I'll just release this in October and we'll be fine. Yep. Yes. And it was our intent to smooch some virtual bows and girls and booze, I suppose, given this game. But unfortunately, some of us are unlucky in love, as you will find out through our review. Monster Prom is great. We're bad at dating. Yep. Uh, excuse me. Uh, speak Some for yourself. You I'm great at dating. I, I was cock blocked. Badly, <laughs> badly cock blocked. We'll talk about that in a minute. Neat. Hey, you know, it's in the game of love, there can only be one winner. Absolutely. It was me. <laughs> However, in Monster Prom, we picked it because it was a competitive game you could all play together. And we thought it would be that everyone got to smooch someone, but what it turned out is that Reagan and I are just awful. We just struck and out, man. Nate yeah. is really, really good at hey. romancing demons. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you uh, when you find the one, you know. So Monster Prom is a well, it can be competitive. It doesn't have to be because you can play this single <laughs> player. So I should probably just set it up. What the game is? It is a sort of vir- visual novel style dating sim in which you are uh, a student at a monster high school. I think it's called like Spooky High or Spook High or something like that. And uh, you are, uh, it's three weeks till prom, which is monster prom, of course, which is very important to all of the monsters who attend this high school. The most important. Well, of course. Uh, And so you have three weeks of visual novel style uh, interactions to get to know all of the various monster hotties at the school and to woo them through your various stats and to ask them to prom and hopefully get your prom invitation accepted. Um, And the game has many hundreds of potential events that can crop up as you play. Uh, It's really a neat structure, and it's really designed to be a game that you can play again and again, either by yourself, uh, hopefully, you know, trying different things, trying different uh, different paths through the game and trying to uh, to woo the monsters of your dreams. Or you can play it essentially as a party game, which is how we all played it. So you can play this game uh, with two, three or four players. And if you play it that way, it's competitive, which is a really unusual thing for a dating game. Yes, I had originally uh, referred this to a friend who had played Dream Daddy and wanted something equally lovable and ludicrous. And she's been playing with her boyfriend and she delights in whoever he goes after stealing them from him. Mm. And she is like, I have won this game multiple times. 
uh, thank you. And I was like, I don't think you should thank me. Like, how was your love life? I, you guys have a healthy relationship most of the time, but this is not healthy. I love you, Nicole. I played this a couple of times with Jamie as well. And I mean, Jamie's not a, a person who loves uh, video games generally, but like this game worked for her. I think this will work for almost anybody because it has that sort of party game vibe, but it's also full of humor and full of really fun art. And it's just it's just a really cute, fun... Uh, I, I, I hesitate to really call it a dating sim because while it certainly uses dating sim uh, mechanics and tropes, um, it's it's not the kind of thing that you think of when you think of a dating sim. This is more about like it's almost like uh, like a party game where you're trying to um, either help each other or screw each other over on on the way to try and try and uh, get that date to prom. It's it's fun. It's really neat. Yeah, in some ways, it made me think of like a board game. Yeah, you have your like your character sheet, you know. Um, which this game has stats like charm and fun and money and there's items that can increase those things or decrease those things. And you are presented with a sort of two degree random set of circumstances where you try to pick the one that will help you the best and see how it goes. Um, much like rolling dice in a board game or trying to make, you know, you set up like a system and try to make educated choices about the goal that you're trying to complete. You know, in this game, it's, Woo, a monster of your dreams. But you don't really know how it's going to go. And you just kind of hope it's going to go for the best. And that way, it really felt like a board game. And it felt like uh, when I had the opportunity to... uh, It's very obvious. I had the opportunity to either tell uh, Reagan's girl... She approached me on like a random encounter and asked me what I thought of Reagan's character. Ouch. And I, I forget what the positive thing was, but the negative thing was that I thought he was a communist. (laughs) <laughs> and of course I'm going to go with that, you know? So I called Reagan a communist and ultimately uh, prom for me. Yeah. Was the worst. And what's even better is that there was no reason because we're not, we weren't wooing the same person. <laughs> You're and just a jerk. In, in hindsight, I did feel bad because, you know, I want, I want, you know, more love in this world, but it was funny in the moment and I will never take it back. And that's really what the game is about. Um, the game is basically made up of uh, events. So to kind of s- describe the structure a little bit, um, you know, the game is uh, made up of three in-game weeks, but each week is three or four events. So there'll be like a, a, a morning at school, a lunchtime at school, an evening at school, and then a weekend. And then you repeat that cycle three times. Uh, and then there's prom. Each of those day... I, each of those, each of those sort of events—the morning or the or the lunchtime or what have you—has a huge pool of potential events that can happen, and the events are usually things like you know two characters uh, that you might potentially be wooing are uh, you know you walk up to them in some kind of funny circumstance, some weird stuff happens, uh, and it gives you a choice between option A or option B uh, in order to you know to give you some sort of a choice, and that choice is going to determine. Uh, whether you look cool to the monster of your dreams or whether you look like a loser to the monster of your dreams, usually resulting in some kind of stat increase or decrease. And something I loved about the choices is that sometimes the choices about who of those two people would you know like you more is extremely obvious. Like, football guy likes football. Dunzo. But there's also things like, am I good enough to pull this off? For me, the real challenge is something I love in any visual novel, any interactive fiction, which is 
one of them will help me more, but the other one is so much more fun and I want to know what happens. What happens if I get naked and try to sword fight with a ferret? Very bad things if you're not very uh, charming and the alien is way hotter than you. Just warning anybody in that unlikely situation. Yeah, that was a uh, bad was times a big, for Laura. Yeah, that was a big sort of like aha moment for us while we were all playing uh, last night, um, which is you you think that the char- the choices are just going to be A and B and like one is good for character on the left and one is good on character for the right. But to Laura's point, like, some of them you have to have the skill to pull off, much like a, I don't know, like a Fallout game or something, right? Like Science 4 in order to do this. But you don't know that until you've already selected it and a little, like, emoji bubble pops up and tells you whether you did it or didn't. So there was one later after we'd sort of figured out that system that I was thinking, oh, that seems to be, like, the harder one. I bet it needs creativity, and my my character had a lot of creativity, so I was like, I bet I can do that. So I clicked on that one, or technically Reagan clicked on it for me because we were playing through Skype, and it said I wasn't bold enough. So I had like misinterpreted, and it went horrible for my character. It was not creative at all; it was bold, and I ended up losing all of these stats. So it ends up being like this sort of meta game within that too, because it's like you want to make the choice that'll look good for the character you want but then you have to think do you have the skill to do the thing and then you have to think what it's what skill even is that and it ended up being a little bit more complicated and again more like a board game than i was expecting a uh, a monster dating game yeah but i think because it was so silly i didn't ever get a sense of unfairness like yeah, oh, i played sure. a game called long live the queen which is Oh yeah, I think more interesting than fun. It's basically a princess simulator, but it is like an Excel spreadsheet simulator, and that like things come out of nowhere and you just die. And I really, I liked it as a concept, but I liked this a lot more because even though I didn't, you know, I could predict and long live the queen to a certain extent. I need dancing lessons to pass this. In this one, I might not know exactly which stat it's drawing on, but it's so ludicrous and just out of nowhere that even when I fail, I'm still entertained. And my thing about a board game is I want to have fun when I'm doing badly. And this game delivered. Exactly. So that that moment when I thought it was supposed to be creativity, but it was bold, is actually the last round of the game. And it hurt me. Like the, The outcome was so bad that I was certain that I had just lost. Like I figured that that was done, but the, it, it was like, Oh yeah, that was actually way more bold than creativity. I'm dumb. The outcome is funny. I don't care. Like I, I immediately was like, I don't care. Like this is funny. And that is as fun as if I had made the right choice. So it didn't really matter. Ultimately, I still had done enough to woo the demon's heart. But at the time I thought I screwed it up and I didn't care anyway. Not every single event is hilarious. They're all, every single event is a joke. They don't all land, but because there's such an incredible volume of potential events and because each one of them is only a minute or two, um, it, it, the game stayed consistently funny throughout. So I I, uh, I definitely thought some of the jokes didn't land. Just some of the jokes were maybe not to my taste, but others were like really, really, really funny. This game was written by three different people. There's um, Corey O'Brien, Maggie Herskowitz, and Julian uh, Keanu. 
they are trying a lot of different stuff here. There's apparently something like a thousand. They, so they say there's a thousand funny and absurd situations and hundreds of events. I'm not actually quite sure how that balances out. It's but probably branching because when you start taking items into effect, like I, I totally buy that there's a hundred base events and a thousand versions. There's yeah. actually probably more, way more than a hundred. There's a, there's a little meter when you finish the game that goes up and shows you like how much, uh, how many of the events you've completed. And uh, I've played through the game five, five times now. And uh, I think I'm way under 10%. So there's a lot of content here, like a lot of potential events, which is good in a game that only takes roughly 45 minutes to an hour to play or 90 minutes with larger groups and uh, expects you to play it multiple times, kind of party game or board game style. Yeah, for sure. The, the humor is like a blend of you know, kind of irreverent or internet humor or like pop culture humor. So absolutely, there are some that land really, really well and there are some that don't. I mean, that's how most you know, comedy games go. Yeah. So like, for example, there's some events that are kind of parodies of Pokemon Go called Pokemon Go, where the monsters are playing a game where there are humans. Insurance adjusters. Right. So I I didn't find that. There were there were funny bits in that. Don't get me wrong. But like, that wasn't the funniest thing. But like, it's a joke that definitely would land for you if you were into Pokemon Go or maybe if I don't know. That was a joke that might work for some people and not for others. Please be my friend in Pokemon Go. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, there were other parts of the game where, like, just, just, like, the, the dry, like, humor of it was, was just, like, extremely funny. One example is that we inexplicably got two different storylines about people getting paid to eat for other people, like... One one storyline was about uh, a weird businessman watching two girls eat. That was his specific fetish. And one was a Medusa who had snakes eating, and the other one was a ghost who was just pretending to eat. Um, and yet there was a second people paying someone to watch the eat storyline about, like, competitive snake eating. So I wouldn't even count those the same scenarios. We just inexplicably roll of the dice had two fetishistic eating scenarios, and they were. I found both of them very funny. Both of them were very funny. That says about me. The that one in particular that you're talking about with uh, with uh, where the Polly Geist, the ghost girl, was was eating. Everything about her was so funny because she was all caps saying like. I'm definitely eating normal food with my real human mouth, you know, that kind of thing. Because, of course, she's a ghost she can't really eat. It was very, very funny. Like, all of the characters have these standout funny moments. um, And all of them have, like, a very distinct characterization. Uh, It's it's very um, high school comedy by way of monsters. And so all of the characters obviously have this monster archetype that they are. But they also all have this high school archetype that they are. You know, you have... The, uh, the party girl and the incredibly uh, stern and uh, serious girl. And you have the, the jock who's an airhead and you have the hot brooding weirdo. And, you know, it just the arsonist. happens. The arsonist. It just so happens that the hot brooding weirdo is literally a demon and the party girl is a ghost. And the very stern, serious, uh, business-minded girl is a gorgon with snake hair. Like, it's great archetypes that they play on both from the these guys are monsters angle and also from the really funny high school comedy stuff angle. I mean, it also feels like the silly horny teens of the CW in that like, but they're not Very taking CW. themselves seriously at all. Like there's a lot of jokes about dicks and raves and cocaine and pills and, but none of it is in the um, 
after school special style where they're mm-hmm. taking it seriously. This is all like, hey, I'm a ghost. I did, you know, my purse is full of meth. That's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it is surprisingly um, dirty. Is not the right word for it, but they definitely make Body, a lot. Body in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not. It's not going to. Sh- it's not shying away from anything. It's not graphic. It's you know, but it's not shying away from anything. They're not afraid to curse. They're not afraid to uh, describe uh, lurid scenarios. But also, it's not porny. You don't get to have sex with any of these characters. Yeah, your your dating is PG. But the game is closer to PG thirteen R. Let's say PG thirteen uh, for yeah. dating because definitely a lot of talk about what they'd like to do, but not a whole lot. But of, you don't nothing do graphic or anything. on screen. Yeah, they're all talk. Yeah, exactly. Typical teens. Although, of course, they're not teens because the uh, I guess because uh, I guess because everyone of the is over the age here, of consent. Yeah, they they very pointedly made. All of the characters, 19, 20, 25, one character is 400 some odd years old because, of course, vampire. Uh, but, of course, they're all also in high school. Why? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Again, it's like Smallville where, like, everyone in high school is 30. It does, just, just go with or it. Or every single show that pretends that people are in high school. They're all in their 20s and 30s. Yeah, early, early in the game, I will say that um, the art is in that really fun, like, it looks like fan art for a fake TV show. Um, It's in that really fun Tumblr concept art type look, um, drawn by Arthur Tien. And early in the game, I kept commenting on how short everyone's shorts were, um, (laughs) and how inappropriate they were. Because I, um, it is a game with a lot of short shorts. If you like that on illustrated characters. Well, you got, you know, you got to look good if you're trying to um, find someone for Monster Prom. They are the six most charming monsters at school. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. really, really like the art for this. Um, so the the style, I think that's, that describing it as kind of like fan art for a show that doesn't exist is a good way to put it. I think like if you, if you like the art style for things like, I don't know, um, uh, Steven Universe or Adventure Time, but you also like things where they're willing to put in a lot of effort to put in more detail than you would typically see in a lot of that kind of art. Like there's, it's very expressive, very cartoony, but also there's a ton of love for the characters in this. You know, the characters all have many, many different facial expressions, all of which are very bright and cartoony and interesting, um, just sort of magnetic characters. And the uh, and they all have multiple different outfits that change depending on the situation. Um, they have different, like uh, some mostly similar body poses, but you know, occasionally there's definitely some special poses in there. So for <laughs> a uh, for a visual novel, this has a lot of art, and all of it is really attractive. And I, I just want to I just call it magnetic. It's like very. Um, it just makes you want to engage with these characters. Uh, it makes you want to date some of them, and <laughs> they're just really cute. It seems like they've done seasonal updates. Um, we're coming up on. This is hopefully being released on Valentine's Day, and there's going to be DLC. But before that, they've done some seasonal updates, including like everyone gets cool summer bikini outfits, and also apparently Damien has a war with the sun. Um, they've, they've done a lot of little. That's cute, my boy. Yeah, winter <laughs> updates where everyone has snow outfits. So I, I think if you like the art, they're keeping. Uh, they know that art is one of the really appealing things about this game, and they're giving more of it. And I'm here for it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's too. fun. That's like uh, apps that are like updating their icon to be like Christmas themed. Only this game is just updating all of their characters to be Christmas themed. That's awesome. 
Um, Molly pointed out there's a, a a book series from like the late 80s, early 90s called Fifth Grade Monsters, which I think shares some DNA from with this game. Just if those monsters had grown up to be adults. Or, I mean, no. I mean, it also literally is a like it's a it's quite a bit like the the very popular kids um, doll and straight to DVD property uh, Monster High. Yeah, uh, for which sure. is not to my taste, but I I, I have to admit to one day uh, realizing that the entirety of the one of the mon- many Monster High movies was just uploaded to YouTube in full for some reason. And so I clicked on it and watched a good 40 minutes of it because I hate myself and had nothing better to do. There were better things you could do. There were definitely better things I could have done <laughs> with that 40 minutes. I don't know why. I'd, I think Jamie and I were just sitting there watching it and sort of making fun of it. But like, it's a lot like this, except there are no boys in in it. I, like, I don't think it's the most original idea in the world to have like a monster high school. I've seen other things that do that, but this does it really well and makes it kind of just engaging enough to make you want to date these characters. And I thought we should probably just talk about who some of these characters are, which ones we particularly wanted to date and how it went for each of us. So the characters that you can date, there are six of them in the current version of the game. I think they might be expanding that with some DLC. Yes. As of today, whoever is listening to this, there are new characters being released on I can't wait to check that out. Um, But there's uh, the characters that we were able to date when we were checking out the game. Let's see. So straight from the intro. So the first thing you do is you take a little quiz on who you are, but you also get to pick out these six people, uh, you know, who you want to date. And you've got Miranda Vanderbilt, a sweet mermaid princess who was as cute as she was genocidal. Love her. None of us actually dated Miranda. Um, I tried to briefly, but... Yeah, she was elusive. I, uh, uh, I in a game I played with uh, with Jamie. I initially went after her, but about halfway through the game, I realized that I did not like her because she was far too aristocratic, and uh, so I uh, I decided to uh, change focus. And then I ended up with no one at prom. Hmm. Who was your uh? Who's your D and D character, Dragon? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. Next up is Damien LaFay, a fearless demon with a taste for destruction and a love of fire and a love of Nate's character, Romango. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how it worked because when I was starting out, um, the game kind of like, by way of the quiz at the beginning, I guess sort of like suggests someone that you should go after or sort of implies that you might be best fit for someone. And so... Uh, there, my original attempt at wooing someone was it was with the Wolfman, Scott the wolf- Howell, a werewolf yeah, Scott a- Howell. athlete. Uh, but there was a point in uh, really, really early on. I'd made like one decision that was pro Scott Wolf, um, Scott Howell. But uh, the next time I had a decision point, the the two choices. One of them, I just like really didn't like the answer. I, I forget what it was, but it was something stupid. And so I, I was like, I don't even care if this hurts my relationship with uh, with Wolfman. I'm going to do the other one. And when I did that one, it actually like gave me points towards Damien. It's like, all right, I guess that's who I'm going for. And so from that point through the rest of the game, everything I did was to try to uh, win the heart of Damien, which is funny because when we played Dream Daddy, 
This is another thing that Molly pointed out to me. The person that I went after in that game was also Damien. And <laughs> I forgot about so, Damien in that game. <laughs> so you have a type, and it's men named Damien. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the uh, the other characters. Let's see. We've got uh, Polly Geist, the uh, ghost lady, who's also a party girl, kind of a kind of a California Valley girl, killed and come back to life kind of vibe. And let's see, we've got uh, Vera. What was Vera's last name? Oberlin. Oberlin, of course, so aristocratic. But Vera Oberlin is the Gorgon who uh, stole my heart. Uh, she's very uh, business-minded and stern, but of course, you know my type. And who am I missing? Last up is Liam DeLioncourt, the extra yes. vampire, who we all kind of were like, I think he made a Balzac joke. We were all like, done. I kind of hated him, but the one time that... So in one of the games that I played with Jamie, I ended up dating him mostly just because it just kept throwing me into uh, into events with him. And just essentially by accident, we ended up going to prom. But also, I don't like that guy. Don't like him. He's the 400-year-old yeah. hipster, hipster vampire, and he's such a cliche. But he's also... He's kind of cute. And something about this that I probably should have mentioned, uh, any of these characters is open to be dated. Uh, So according to the description by the developers, monsters don't like boys or girls. They like monsters. In Monster Prom, the game experience is unaffected by gender or sexual orientation since finding love is already hard enough. So, of course, you do get to pick your gender and your pronouns at the beginning of the game. Um, So it gives you a choice of four characters to play as, and uh, they're color-coded. Uh, They're all really cute illustrations. You can pick between a very cute sort of uh, uh, Frankenstein-looking girl character. You can pick a uh, Frankenstein-y-looking boy character. Hulk, man. Yeah, there's a weird black shape. What is he supposed to be? I can't can't even tell. The guy with the the, like blank black uh, outline. Yeah, he he doesn't really have eyes. I don't know. He, he, he monster, yeah. some kind of creepy dark monster, shadow person, and then like or a something. fire girl. Yeah, yeah, some kind of burning woman. Uh, they're all really cute illustrations too. I I love that it it doesn't just give you like generic uh, like outlines or something to play as. It gives you something you can connect with a little bit. And those four uh, player character illustrations. Obviously, you're picking it at the beginning and it shows up in things like dialogue choices. But also, of course, when you get to the end of the game and you're going on your date, you get these very cute illustrations of them. So it's nice that it lets you pick. But in addition to that, of course, you can pick your your uh, your pronouns and uh, you can date any of the monsters, regardless of your sexual orientation or uh, or uh, you know gender identity, etc. So I, I like that about it, particularly because like with six characters, you want to leave it open. So. We've mentioned that this is a multiplayer game and it's not as straightforward as just, you know, one person goes, the next person goes, the next person goes. First of all, it's really fun to make fun of people when they make decisions. And it's really uh-huh. fun to hear people talk aloud because um, we like it when good things happen to our friends and we really like it when bad things happen to our friends. Yeah. But <laughs> what I really enjoyed is they add little things to the game to make it more interactive and multiplayer uh, by just adding little challenges between rows. For example, you know, everyone names a career. And I think I said scuba diving instructor. Uh, Reagan said uh, helicopter pilot. Helicopter pilot. And I said skydiver. Skydiver. And then the game asked, okay, 
for Reagan, what is the likelihood he will have these careers? Which was zero on any of them. But we've <laughs> said maybe it could be a skydiver because that, you know, et cetera. It, it's a lot more fun. We talked about who would be most likely president, who would get eaten by zombies first. And this determines turn order. Turn which order. Is really right. funny. Yeah, it's a really funny way. And again, it feels like board gamey, right? You're all standing around and, you know, you just have to come up with a silly list and then. Then you have to choose, and then and you know that in determining that there is a benefit to go first, mm-hmm. right? So you don't know what you're choosing, but then you want to make the like right choice, you know. Like, so I shouldn't a- have outsourced who would make the worst president to my husband because he's married to me, and of course it's going to say I'm going to make a great president. But that meant I went last. Yeah, <laughs> fast, right? And I couldn't go to the gym, and I was not charming at all. And I failed. Well, no. so uh, all his uh, fault. And that's the so that's the part that we haven't talked about about you know since now we're kind of talking about the multiplayer thing. So there's the challenges, but then there's other things how the the player choices can affect uh, can impact the other player's ability to make a choice. So there's two um, sort of scenarios that you can sort of block someone else from doing something. So first, when whoever goes first, they get to pick. Do they want to go? You know, let's say it's morning. On week two, uh, do they want to go to the auditorium? Do they want to go outdoors? Do they want to go to the gym, etc.? There's like five or six different choices. And each of those choices have a corresponding skill that by going there, you have an opportunity to increase that skill. And if someone goes there, then the next players can't go there. So if you can go first, you get sort of like your pick of whatever skill or whatever person you're trying to meet. So there's that benefit. So whenever we're doing these little challenges, you're kind of like arguing to a degree to like why yours should be first because you kind of want to go first. Mm -hmm. But also the scenarios are so silly. You can't really make a logical argument. Like for me, there was one who was who would uh, die in a zombie apocalypse. I'm like, I'm going to die quickly i can't argue that i'm not gonna be the, the uh, there's no argument that i can make so i'm not gonna get to go first because there is how who would like survive the longest i think was the question so i'm like ah oh, not me i can't i cannot sit here and logically argue that i'm gonna live longer than any of you two so i ended up like second or third so all of this with the with the turn order picking and all that it, it was the thing that most kind of um made me think about where this game sort of fits into the gaming landscape, how I would pitch this game. And the thing that it most made me think about was a game that I actually don't like very much uh, in contrast to this. I like this game quite a bit, but I don't, I don't so much like cards against humanity. Um, But I think this game is something where if you are in a group where there is a, you're in the sort of situation where you might ordinarily whip out something like cards against humanity and play it as a group, Playing this instead of that, this would slot in perfectly into that sort of gameplay group or gameplay scenario. Like if you're if you're going to whip out a game like that, a kind of a a loose, funny party game about joking around with each other and having a good time. And eventually somebody gets declared the winner. But, you know, what does it really matter? It's not like it's you know not not uh, not a super competitive game, just a fun way to spend some time with friends. This game fits perfectly into that niche. So if you have a group of people that you might potentially want to play that kind of game with and you want to try something a little different from the Cards Against Humanity kind of vibe of thing, this 
this is a really, really good replacement for or kind of alternative to that style of thing, uh, particularly like if you're going to be in front of a computer or something anyway, uh, anything that can play this game, give this a try. Yeah, you still don't have to come up with the jokes yourself, but it's a little bit less random number generator. And honestly, it's like, for me, there's better payoff, like the yeah. unknown, like because, you know, you'll go into these weird situations because the payoff is written and scripted for you. I, I find it a lot better. Like, yeah. I, I find it a lot, um, you know, I'm all for a good writer choosing the endings rather than someone throwing down a card they don't care about. And there's still an involving sort of what feels like a creative aspect to it. You know, you're deciding what type of monster you want to date and you're making choices about how that monster is going to relate to these other monsters. And the the challenges that we were talking about a minute ago are very interactive. Um, but it's uh, it's it's not quite the same kind of thing as Cards Against Humanity, where everyone is uh, trying to aggressively prove which of you is the worst person. This year, you're trying to be the best monster. Yeah. And with Cards Against Humanity, you can play up to like eight players and you kind of only have to barely pay attention. You can like get up and walk away if you don't if you want to miss around. So it's not like perfect, but I would True. say like also if you've got a couple friends over and you're like going to just sit and watch YouTube videos that are funny. Yeah. You know, like this is a great replacement for that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a far more interactive, funny thing. Um, I don't know how willingly you could convince like a party atmosphere to go and play this mm, game. Yeah, not not with like a ton of people, but like if you yeah. got like three or four people. Yeah. Oh my god, I would have played so much of this game in my dorm in college. I was in a performing arts dorm. Can you imagine? Mm, yes. Like, we were desperate in playing Civ. Like this game would have been just kryptonite. We would have all failed all of our classes. Totally. And, and, you know, something else about the uh, the multiplayer of it that I wasn't quite sure about until I actually got into it and played, it's 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 set up to be a really convenient game to play in those kinds of scenarios. Um, a big part of that is just that, like, you can play it in a lot of different ways. You can play this game with everybody sitting in front of one computer um, with somebody using a mouse and keyboard to click, or, you know, you can do a kind of a pass and play. It works with a game controller, so you can have one game controller and pass it around, or you can have four game controllers and everybody has their own. Um, and it has online play. I haven't actually tried the online play because it actually works perfectly fine to what what we did was I pulled it up on my computer. I did a Skype screen sharing session and we all played it that way, which worked just fine. So it's really flexible. Like you could play this game in a lot of different scenarios. You don't have to have some special setup with like, I mean, I, I love Towerfall, for example, but it's super hard to get that game going because you have to have, if you have four people, you have to have four controllers. You have to have everything set up just so. Um, and of course you have to have people that are like willing to play that with you. This can Man. work in so many more situations. Do you remember when we played, uh, this is when you still lived in St. Louis and we played Towerfall before it was available on the PS4 and we had that elaborate set of extensions and connectors to plug into your computer, to plug into the TV. That That was was ridiculous. So complicated. Yeah, we had four (laughs) controllers going into a hub, which was going to several adapters to get into your computer, which then your adapter was connected to the TV. It just took so long to set up. This is, (laughs) this is a really convenient multiplayer game. Like you can literally just throw a laptop on the ottoman and everybody play it together that way. And it'll work just as well as it would in, in, you know, a, a different scenario where everybody's got four controllers and it's on a 4k TV or something. 
So, again, we played this game in a rush to try to get something out for Valentine's Day, but you know what? This game is perfect for Valentine's Day. If you are sitting around with your significant other, this is a perfect two-player game uh, that might, you know, spark the Valentine's feelings for you, or maybe not, or it's maybe even better if you don't have a special somebody this Valentine's Day uh, and just want a funny, sweet, quirky game that sort of makes fun of the entire idea of dating. Um, I, I would recommend this to almost anybody. Uh, it's available on Steam for Windows, Mac, and Linux, and I think it's $12 on normal price, or like $11.99 or whatever. Um, and it seems to go on sale occasionally. They're about to have, like Laura mentioned earlier, uh, a big DLC coming out. I wasn't clear whether that was going to be a free update or whether that was going to be a paid DLC. Did you happen to see, Laura? I believe this is their first paid DLC because it's quite large, but they've done two or three updates in the past and they said they're going to continue doing seasonal updates in addition to the DLC. So That's awesome. I'm, I'm super looking forward to playing some more of this um, just as a thing to whip out every now and then uh, and play a couple of rounds just like you might a, a card game or something. And I... Uh, I Oh, and of course, you can find this game uh, on Steam and also on the developer's website with it, which is monsterprom.pizza, which is awesome. I love their URL. That is a phenomenal website. Yeah. Top level right there. Big fan of their website. I kind of hope this game eventually comes to consoles, but given that it's been out since sort of uh, relatively early last year and still hasn't, um, and I haven't seen anything about that, I think it probably isn't doing that. So, um, you know, this would probably still be something to pick up on. I don't I don't think it's worth waiting for a console release of this. If you happen to prefer, prefer that, I would just go ahead and grab it on Steam, play it on whatever computer you happen to have handy. It'll run on anything. So as longtime listeners to this show will probably already know, uh, we have a segment that we like to call What's Making You Happy This Week? And uh, you'll never guess what it's about. Laura, what's making you happy this week? So this week, I've had a bit of a repeat, and I'm also a piece of trash. So I'm revisiting a playlist called Europeans Love This on Spotify. It came out of a thread by at uh, Moami underscore on Twitter, um, who said, you know what? Here's a thread I want to call songs that get Europeans turned, but now call songs that will, given an appropriately large number of Europeans in the room, get a significant number of them screaming the lyrics. Grab some beer, sangria, or mineral water, and let's go. And it's a huge thread. The songs are tacky and trashy and catchy as hell. I mean, it's got Dragon's Die Dente. It's got Mambo Number no. 5, Macarena. It's got Bolton Anna. It's got Rasputin, Mamma Mia from ABBA. We Are Golden by Mika. Like, you know, it's Sex Bomb by Tom Jones. Like, I went to a wedding in Dublin and like half of these songs played and the Europeans went crazy and the Americans were just standing there being like, why is Sex Bomb playing? The answer is clearly this playlist, the secret playlist. And I did send this to my one and only friend who lives in Europe, who when I sent this to, sent back a Snapchat of him singing half of the songs. And I was like, I guess this is accurate. So um, I was in a bit of a bad mood and I hit shuffle and it played um, 
uh, Rasputin, and then it played uh, Grace Kelly by Mika. And I was like, yep, this delivered. So if you're having a bit of a tough time or you want some just trash, like, please, Europeans love this. It's All quite right. a great thread. And the Twitter thread has links to YouTube, should you not have Spotify. Highly recommend. All right, I will try to have links to both in the show notes, or at the very least, the Spotify playlist, which I've just got right here, and I'm definitely going to be putting on Shuffle in my kitchen. It's real dumb. It's great. So uh, I have been having a pretty good week, and I guess the first thing I would say that is making me happy this week, although I don't want to go too much into it right now, is Apex Legends. Have you guys checked it out at all yet? Not yet. I, I played a little bit, yeah. It's uh, I, I'm what I'm actually mainly glad about. What, what makes me happy about Apex Legends is that I thought I was, I thought I was um, with uh, with Fortnite and uh, and PUBG. I thought I have finally found the the line that I'm too old to cross. I finally found out like where it is I start feeling like an old man and can't understand the things that the youngs are into anymore. Uh, and I thought that the battle royale genre was that place for me, the place I will never go. And yet uh, I, I downloaded and tried out Apex Legends and it's super fun. I like it. Um, so it's cool. cool. If you're playing it, uh, hit me up. I would totally like to play with some people. But the thing that I really wanted to talk about but before uh, that, I want to know, Nate, what is your line? Because for me, it's the Grammys. What's your line where you feel too old to play? Oh, I don't know if I have found that line yet. Um, Nate's still, what a Nate's baby. still uh, in the land of the youngs. <laughs> well, the thing that's been, uh, the other thing that's been making me happy. Candy Crush. Oh, God. well, that's, yes, that makes us all feel. Well, actually, that's that's an old person thing as far as I've been able to tell. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. I was thinking the wrong way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the thing that's been making me happy spurred from a conversation I was having with Shane. And this was a while back. Shane and I were talking about how, uh, and this was came out of a conversation where we were talking about um, magic cards and collectible card games. And then we somehow started talking about tarot cards. And I was telling him like, I really, really like the art of tarot cards. I think that tarot cards are really interesting. Every time I see a tarot card deck, I'm like, wow, that looks really cool. But I also don't want to be the kind of person who, who collects tarot cards because I feel like that's, that's like, that's like a different thing, right? Like being it's the like guy that Fortnite, right? Well, being the guy that has like a bunch of tarot cards and is like whipping them out to like tell people's fortunes or something is not quite the the aspect of tarot cards that I'm interested. You in. did this in middle school for me. I kind of did. I've I been, think I've been also in all sorts, yes. So here's the thing. Here's the that's thing. That's two steps though. There's there's acquiring tarot cards and then there's confronting people to tell them their fortunes. Yes, you've, you're very much correct. So here's the thing that's been that made me happy, and this is a gift from Shane that I really really love. Shane found this thing called the Fantod Pack, and it is a tarot deck by Edward Gorey. Ooh. Um, and uh, it's sort of a mini deck. It's only 20 cards. Uh, and uh, it has a sort of a metafiction to it. It comes with a booklet that describes the Fantod deck as having come from a uh, Madame Weird, uh, who is of mixed Finnish and Egyptian extraction, has devoted her life to divination and is the author of, among uh, a shelf of works, Floating Tambourines, a collection of esoteric verse, and The Future Speaks Through Entrails, etc. So it comes with this great little, very Edward Gorey-y uh, booklet that then describes the meanings of the cards. Uh, who, who wants, uh, somebody pick a number between 1 and 20, and I will pick a card for you, and we will discuss it. 17. 17. Whoa! Holy shit! Ah, it's magic! <laughs> <laughs> So I think seven, 17 is for sure the number. 
Oh, Laura, what just happened? I don't know what just happened. Both of your card is the limb. The limb is a, a very odd Edward Gorey-ish illustration of a prosthetic limb standing between two pull cords. I think we're married, Nate. <laughs> and let's see. The limb, which uh, which in the in the symbology of the cards stands for February. Symbolism. Miscarriage of justice. Gapes. A forged snapshot. Morbid sensuations. A useless sacrifice. Alopecia. A generalized calamity, broken promises, ignominy, an accident in a theater, fugues, and poverty. I'm going to go with February because that's the only <laughs> positive one. Here, we'll, dr- here, we'll, we'll draw another. Uh, give me a number between one and ten. Six. Four. All right. Oh, we didn't do it again. <laughs> we'll go with four. So this one is the burning head, an image of a very calm and passive looking head that is on fire. The burning head stands in for Sunday, bafflement, loss of saliva, a forged (laughs) deed, an impasse, extradition, a boating accident, chill blames, whatever that is, delayed desires, wandering sickness, evil companions, an impediment and despondency. So great little non tarot tarot deck full of Edward Gorey art and, uh, and card meanings that mean absolutely nothing. And I've been having a lot of fun just sort of flipping through it and trying to find some inspiration for things. So um, recommended the Fantod deck. Yeah. And, and for all our making fun of you, like I will say we are in a renaissance of illustrated tarot decks. Like a bunch of my favorite uh, concert art illustrators have been doing tarot decks of their own. So we might yeah, be seen. joining the tarot dark collection folk even though we don't believe it in the slightest hey folks if you see a cool tarot deck that uh that doesn't make someone uh who owns it seem like a mystic and instead makes them seem like a cool dude uh let me know (laughs) and uh maybe i'll maybe i'll check it out is that why you purchase things in order to be seen as a cool dude absolutely i think yeah tarot cards are definitely where you need to start (laughs) (laughs) neat uh what has been making you happy this week Oh, all Besides sorts of things. Reagan burns. Yeah, yeah, all sorts of things. One, uh, Reagan buying you or uh, Shane buying you Reagan a tarot dar- uh, tarot deck. That's making me happy. Um, I finally saw or caught up and saw the rest of Steven Universe, which <sighs> I know you talked about. I think so on good. the show uh, a month or so ago. Uh, that was wonderful and just a really great. Uh, ending to a season of a show and also uh my wife and us bought a house so that's fun fantastic yeah Yeah. so that's been a whole lot of stuff um but yeah we're super excited so um next month or so is gonna be crazy but very excited about it yeah i'm very excited for you i've seen some photos it looks like an awesome house so we'll be over yeah i hope so so Thank you, listeners, for listening to this episode of The Short Game. You can find us on the internet at www.theshortgame.net, where you'll find a uh, show notes page that's searchable. And we've done episodes on all sorts of games. Go there and search for a game that you're interested in, and there's a good, good chance that we've done an episode on it. Uh, Also, you can find our contact form there, which is a great way to get in touch with us. Uh, We love to hear from you, get suggestions on short games that we should be checking out. So if you've played a short game that you think would be a fit for the show, uh, 
uh, let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at underscore short game. And you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And since I mentioned it on Pokemon Go, I'm Spider Laura. Nice. <laughs> Go uh, trade her up. You can you can hit me up for my. Uh, I know you got to have a friend code, and it's a really long, stupid number. I'm not gonna look up. Just just send what? me. A, just tweet me, and I'll get you hooked up. Nice. No, Nintendo is great at online multiplayer. No <laughs> way they would need such a thing as a friend code. Not in 2019. Mm, yeah, definitely don't need to send a QR code to add anybody. Nate, where can people find you? Oh, you know, you can find me on Twitter at nate stl. And thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.